are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. For those of you who uh, don't know, I was a youth pastor for 12 years. And as a one, uh, one thing that we do every single year as a youth pastor, we would go to YC every year. And if you're, again, if you're not sure what YC is, it's a large convention that started out actually in Canmore uh, with like 50, 500 kids, something like that. And that wasn't 500. It started out really small. And then it went to about the 500 mark. And then they took it to Red Deer. And Red Deer, uh, they, they had 3,000. Then it went to 7,000 until it out, sold out uh, Red Deer. Now it's at the Skyreach every year for about 15,000 teens that go and to be able to participate in that. And when it started to hit uh, Edmonton, uh, Mike asked me if I could help out and, and host some bands because I was, I was close to there. My, my kids would just kind of, we'd get tickets and then they, they'd take the LRT and they were kind of on their own uh, type of deal. So, so I started uh, hosting some bands and I really, I started to enjoy that. And I got to host, uh, uh, there was a band called Surreal and those guys were just amazing, just really ministry-focused. Uh, they know I was a youth pastor. They gave me, like, five CDs signed for giveaways for the t- kids and a bunch of T-shirts and just loved on me. And, and uh, I got to do some delegates from uh, Quebec. But one year as I was doing this over and over again and getting better and better at this kind of a thing, he had me host one of the main bands. And um, when this happened, I went to the airport on a Thursday evening at, like, midnight and picked them up and then took them to their hotel, and on Friday morning, I had to pick them up for sound check um, at uh, 6 a.m., and um, as, I, as I picked them up I, at the airport, I realized that there was a lot of them, because it wasn't just a band, but there was managers, and their youth pastor traveled with them, and they had a total of 16 people uh, that I was responsible for. So I'd done this over and over again every single year, and, and uh, looked forward to meeting these guys. I picked them up at the airport, took them to their hotel, Showed up at, the airp- at their hotel the next morning at 6 a.m., and as I showed up there, two guys came out, and I'm like, well, where's the rest of the team? They're like, well, they wanted a little bit more sleep. Drive these guys to the, to the thing, come on back, and get us, and then we'll all be ready. I said, okay, so I drove them off to the venue, dropped them off, I came back, and two more guys came out, and the other guys are still not ready yet. Go drop them off at the venue, and then come back and get us. So, so I did this like probably four or five times and, and, and got them all ready for sound check. So it's like, man, like I'm supposed to pick all 16 of them up. And now it's just like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But it's like, whatever, you know, I'm just here to serve. I'm just here to love on the Lord. Amen. So as this went on, um, these little divas started to just require more and more and more. That it's kind of like, hey, like I was so excited. I think it was uh, the Saturday, uh, this, uh, Friday night or the, the Saturday night. Uh, Toby Mac was performing. I couldn't wait to see Toby Mac. And as this, the concert uh, started, the team manager came and found me and said, hey, if three of the guys don't want to see Toby, can you take them back to the hotel? Then come back and get us. I'm like, it's only three guys. Like, let them just go in the back room and they can sit there. He's like, no, no, they, they, they want some rest. Take them back to the hotel. And then I'm, I'm driving them and I'm doing their, uh, taking them to the laundromat. I'm taking them shopping at the, the, the mall. And I'm just like, every single day, it was, it was the Thursday night. I picked them up at midnight and it was 6 o'clock in the morning on Friday till 2 a.m. And then 6 o'clock in the morning till 1 a.m. And then 6 o'clock in the morning on, on, the, uh, on the Sunday. 
and, and they had to be back at the airport by noon. I dropped them off at the airport, and I'm like, finally, I get to go back, and I get to sit with my kids now, and I get to just watch the Third Day concert. I'd never seen Third Day before, and I was so excited to be able to see them, and I sat right with my kids, and they got out there, and I fell asleep, and I missed the whole concert. <laughs> but during this time, like, I had so many mixed emotions in there. You know, I was kind of like, okay, Lance, you're here to serve. Just be quiet. Then I'd be like, you know what, you guys... You're driving me crazy. You're a bunch of divas. You know, and it'd be like, Lance, just stop, just don't say anything. Just let it go. You're here to serve. Okay, Lord, I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve you, God. Okay, Lord, I'm just here to, I'm just here to love on you, God. And then we'd go, and then they would say, hey, we need you to do this. We need you to do this. We need you to do that. And I'm like, I'm one guy! And I'm getting tired, and I'm getting frustrated, and I'm getting really, really upset with these guys. And then these littler bands that I did before, you know what, when, that, when they left, they, they signed CDs and all this kind of stuff. These guys left and said, hey man, thanks for hosting us, and they left. And I'm just like, I'm just kicking myself and kicking myself, and I had that inner struggle for the whole weekend. You see, I was running on my own strength, and I was trying to please them. I was being very hard on myself, saying, come on, Lance, just, just buck it up. Just go a little bit harder, just a little bit further. You know what? You're, you're here to serve the Lord. And it came down, I came down, when I came down on myself, I came down on my attitudes, and my attitudes really started to get stinky. And then I remembered thinking, you know what? Is it really worth it? You ever thought about that, about your relationship with the Lord? You know, I think sometimes we get a picture in our head of what Christianity looks like. I think sometimes we get a picture of our head of what the church is supposed to look like. You know, the Bible says, I'm coming back for your pure and spotless bride. And sometimes we come in and say, man, this is far from pure and spotless. And we get to that place and the enemy starts to play havoc and say, see, this is not what God promised you. This is not the picture that you've seen. And we have this inner turmoil that just breeds frustration till finally we just go, you know what, I'm done with church. Or I'm done with the Lord because this is a bunch of hypocrisy. This is not what it's all about. Last month we had a submerge extended with Dan Baker and I truly found it, man, it was just so refreshing. The Lord was touching people every night in such a supernatural way. It was just, it was life. But during one of the messages, Dan said something that, well, truthfully, I thought it was a little bit weird because I'd never heard anybody say this before. He said, I could really feel the presence of the zeal of the Lord of hosts here. And, and, and when he said that, I'm kind of like, you know, I've heard people say, Lance, you know what, this church has got a lot of unity, and this church is filled with love and, and, and that kind of stuff. But the presence of the zeal of the Lord is here. What does that mean? And, and, and I went to that place, and I'm like, you know what, God, what, what is it? And it's not about us doing more, but it's about God doing more through us. See, again, I've heard time and time again, I, I've said that there's a strong sense of unity here, and that is where God commands the blessing, Psalms 133. I've heard that there's a real sense of family and a strong spirit of love, but I'd never heard someone say they felt the zeal of the presence of the Lord. So I looked for it in the Word, and I found one of those hidden gems this morning that I want to share with us. And I believe that this hidden gem is where the body of Christ as a whole is going for 2013. 
It's Isaiah 9-7. It says, Of the greatness of the government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So when I read that, I'm like, well, what exactly does that mean? Lord, you, you said, well, all this kind of stuff's going to happen, and the zeal of the Lord is what's going to accomplish these things to happen. I'm like, God, what does that mean? So I turned to the, 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 the uh, commentaries, and I heard what Charles Spurgeon had to say about it. And Spurgeon says, when I turn to the holy writings, I do not find that word zeal in connection with creation, The word zeal was never used, and yet it was a glorious work to make 10,000, thousands of worlds, to fill space with ponderous orbs, to before whose dimension human imagination itself is staggering. It's no small work to make this kind of world with all the varieties and skill and art and beauty. The morning stars might well sing together at the sight of it and burst forth into a new hymn. And as the light first shine upon our planet, but the Lord seemed to have done it much at his ease. In six days he finished it and, and rested from all his work, but yet no element of hardness, no token of zeal was found. I don't see the, world, the word in miracles like parting of the Red Sea, when God himself created a masterpiece holding his breath, the massive walls so his people could cross, a, a cross on their journey to the promised land. You know what, to me it's absolutely amazing Throughout history, the different people who try to either stop the gospel or promote the gospel. You know, and when we look at these kind of situations, we see that, you know what, many have tried really hard to be able to build that church, and many have tried really hard to be able to tear down the church, yet he has been glorified over the centuries. The Bible does say, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But sometimes we look around and things look grim. And we say, Lord, how can you make something out of this? How can you make something out of this mess, God? And all of a sudden, the Lord starts to, to, to move and shape and create and something comes out. Our family over this last little while, Mackenzie wanted to watch the, the Narnia series. So we, we bought that for her for Christmas and over the last holidays here, we've watched one and two and three, and I was just kind of amazed at, at Aslan and, and, and how the sons of Adam would start to build something and how they would start to create something. And Aslan would say different things to them, like, you know what? I never do things the same way twice. You need to trust me. You need to seek me. And then all of a sudden, the humans would get frustrated and go and do their own stuff. And then as they did their own stuff, they'd make themselves such a big mess. And then Aslan would come and that roar would just pierce the speakers and be like, whoo. But with that roar, Aslan would set the people free because his heart is so much for the people. And I sat back there as I watched that and I said, God, how many times do I do that, Lord? How many times do, do I think that I know what you want or I know what you want, want to do and I run ahead and I do something and God, you're just like, Lance, you're, you're, you're leaving me here. Or how many times do we get frustrated and just be like, you know what? I don't like what's happening right now, or I don't like what I'm seeing right now. And we get to that place where it's just kind of like, Lord, are you even there? Because the heavens feel brass. God is everything. When his people get hungry for his presence, 
get hungry for his face, for his face, something changes. But the truth of the matter is getting hungry doesn't mean that we need to do. It's something that is stirred within us and that zeal comes out when we truly understand that it's not about us doing more, but it's about God doing more through us and in us. But yet we can become that, we can get to that place where we become closed and we're like, you know what, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to sing my hymn, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. And the Lord is saying, I want to use you. I want to accomplish great things through you. Do not become frustrated. You don't think that I see it? The truth of the matter is, is we are all imperfect people. And when we look at the body of Christ as a whole throughout the world, it is so easy to become frustrated with what we don't see. It's so easy to become doom and gloom by hearing the news and hearing what some of the things that are happening. And God's sitting there saying, sons of Adam, I'm bigger than that. Sons of Adam, do you trust me? Because I know what's happening, but you know what? I've got a plan. And when we get to that place, we're like, Lord, I know you've got a plan. Lord, what is my part? That's when things just start to change. So what is zeal? The dictionary describes it as as a fervor for a person, a cause, or an object. Eager, a desire, an endeavor, enthusiastic, diligent. I believe for 2013, the Lord is wanting us as a people to walk with a fresh zeal and a new passion. My friends, have you ever been to that place where church or even your spiritual walk with the Lord just seems empty see i think that can happen truly to us all i know what even happens to me as a pastor where it seems like this this god prayer thing or or this reading the word seems more like a task than life-giving and when we find ourselves in those places it's so important for us to be able to get filled but here's the problem how do we as a people fill ourselves See, when we get to that place where we're empty, when we get to that place of frustration, we're like, you know what? I just need something in my life. I just feel a void right now, and and it's not being filled. Then we we turn to things, and we try to fill it with, with, with things like TV or food or new toys, or perhaps even a love that yet may produce happiness. But happiness is short lived. For when we turn to the things like that, we are merely filling the flesh. So then we need to fill our spirits. How do we fill our spirits? Have you ever gone off to a a conference of some type and you're so excited to be able to go to this conference and you go to the conference and you're just like, oh man, the worship is amazing and the speakers are amazing. It's just like, this is awesome. This is life. Oh man, this is what we need. And then we get to the places, yeah, this is what we need in Cold Lake. This is what we need in our church. And we come back and we're just like, man, this is so great. And all of a sudden we start to share it. And all of a sudden that that flame starts to get diminished and and snuffed out. And we're kind of like, what is wrong with you people? Why Why don't you trust me what I'm saying because I've seen this or I've walked with that. And and when we go in that type of a place too, we're trying to fill ourselves spiritually. 
But yet again, God's timing is absolutely perfect. And we fall in the same rut where we were in before the conference began. We as a people were made to give. We were made to pour out, yet our flesh, which is constantly at war with the Spirit, wants to be served and wants to be pampered. See, when you get to this place where you're feeling, you're feeling completely empty, will you try something perhaps that you've never done before? Pray. Fast. Say, Lord, will you help me to re-engage? God, will you help me to see the situation, Lord, not through my eyes, but through your eyes, God? In January, every single year, from January the 11th to the 31st, we do our 21 day of prayer and fasting. And it's so neat because, you know, this year, Nicole and Cindy kind of got together and they sort of planned out where we're going for this, for this 21 days. And whether they told me or whether they didn't tell me or I forgot about it, uh, last week the, uh, the, the, the slides came up there and it says, you know what, awakening, coming soon, the 21 day of prayer fasting. And I turned to someone, I'm like, awakening? Did you title it awakening? They're like, no, did you? I'm like, no, I didn't even know about it. But as I saw that it was being titled awakening, and as the Lord was just kind of stirring my heart, what a perfect title for prayer and fasting. Lord, would you awaken our spirits? God, would you open up our eyes so that we may see? Lord, would you help us as a corporate body pray fast and seek your face? I'm going to be teaching in the next little while about fasting. It's our fasting time. And, and you know what? Fasting for me is... I remember when I was looking for a church as a teen, as a young adult there, and I went to this one denomination, I think it was Mennonite or something, was it Mennonite? I don't know what it was. It was a big mistake. Uh, and uh, they, this, this, this lady sat down with us, her husband and her, and they were just weird, or we thought they were weird at the time. And, and it's just kind of like, she just starts off and she's like, it was just like she was, do you guys have any debt in your life? It's like, I just got out of college. Like, what do you think? <laughs> do you guys pray and fast? Well, we pray. <laughs> but this whole fasting thing has really opened up my eyes. And I don't know where you are in your spiritual walk or where you've walked in that fast. And every year, I never say to every, I never say, you know what, we're doing it for 21 days. And I ask everybody to pray and fast for 21 days. But every year I say, seek the Lord and ask what he's telling you to do. I find the first three days are the hardest. That's when the hunger pains come. It's just like, oh Lord, I, I'm going to die. I don't think I can do this. But after that, once the, your, your um, digestion system kind of shuts down, then it becomes more of a mental thing. You know, it's kind of like, I'm not hungry, but I want food. And, and you kind of struggle in that whole area. But, but it's amazing to me what breakthrough you have because I find with myself when I do that complete fast that I have to go into his presence. You know, I, I, I have to get into the word. I have to get into worship. I have to get into prayer. Where when I'm doing something like the Daniel fast, and this is me personally, I'm doing the Daniel fast, you can eat and be satisfied or, or not be satisfied. It's weird, but you can eat and not really need to go into that presence because you're, you get busy, right? So I find that when you eat 
when you just uh, have the, the, the juice or the water or whatever you take in that fast, it forces me as a person to be able to get into his presence and say, God, I need what you have for me right at this very moment. Awakening. Lord, I want what you want from my life. See, sometimes the Lord will, will say, rest in me and I will fill you up. Be still and know that I am God. But other times, it's something completely different. You know, have you ever been in that place where, where Christmas time just came or Thanksgiving comes and you had that massive turkey meal? And then afterwards, what do you want to do? Sleep. You know what? The Lord just kind of showed me that picture. Is that I think sometimes with, with conferences and what, with the small groups and with with the messages that are spoken and with what's available out on the internet for every single person in this room, I think sometimes as Christians we eat and 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 eat. Then we're just like, okay, I'm done. And I need to sleep now. And the Lord is like, no! You need to exercise. Get up! Get out there! Listen to my voice! Because it's time to get to work. It's time for the zeal of the Lord to rise up in us where we get so excited about His presence that we fulfill whatever that calling mandate is upon us. See, sometimes it just doesn't make sense. You know, I told you that Dan Baker came, and when Dan Baker came, uh, we, we did, it, it was crazy. Like, we'd start at, at, at uh, I'd pick him up at 8 o'clock in the morning, and we'd come to the church, and we had, uh, we'd had two meetings a day. And I planned to have one meeting at 10 in the morning and one meeting at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, that that would give us time to be able to have lunch uh, there, at, at, you know, kind of go from 10 till noon and then have lunch and then go from, uh, come back for 2 o'clock and go to about 4 o'clock. And then I had worship practice at 4, 5.45 and we'd go till whatever time at night. Sometimes, sometimes we get, got home around 12.30 and then we'd have supper together and then do it all over again the next day. But what happened is we got into these sessions and these, t- these 10, o'clock to 10 o'clock to 12 o'clock session, or the 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock session, the 10 o'clock one turned in from 10 till 2. And then it was like, man, that was like a four-hour session, Dan. Like, come on, man, shorten it up, buddy. And then the, the, the 2 o'clock session started, and it went till 5, uh, 5.10. And then Dan would go, go, and they would take him back to the hotel so he could rest, and I would come right here for worship practice. And then we'd go to, like, like I said, like 1 o'clock in the morning, and I just got to that place where it's just like, man... This is crazy. It just go, 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 go. But it seemed like the more that we went, the more refreshed I got. I'm like, Lord, this is weird. Like, we're just pouring out and pouring out and pouring out, but there's this stream that is just pouring over that it's just like more, the more that we're giving, the more that is coming upon us. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but I believe that we're going to experience that. I believe that the word for the body of Christ in in 2013 is zeal. When the zeal of the Lord is placed in us and our hunger is increased, we will experience a year that the church has never, ever seen. Proverbs 19.2 says, It is not good to have zeal without knowledge, nor to be hasty and miss the way. And in the NIV it says, uh, the the same verse says, Desire without knowledge is not good, and whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. I believe that desire and zeal are very closely linked. 
We often quote scriptures like God will give us the desires of our heart. But then the next scripture is commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. And we miss scriptures like that. And we all like the blessing scriptures. They're awesome. But it's like, you know what? The, the scriptures that say, you know what? You're going uh, uh, to partake in my suffering? <laughs> Lord, no, no, no. That's not for me, Lord. I'm blessed and highly favored. Hallelujah. My friends, 2013, may it be an awakening. 2013, may it stir up a hunger that is, is unsatisfiable. That it's just more and more and more. And may you experience that when you pour out and when you give and you fulfill that mandate that God has for you and has for your family, that you'll just become more and more refreshed. That'll bring more and more life. May you not become frustrated. Man, I think frustration is one of the easiest ways to take out the body of Christ. It's so easy just to say, you know what? I don't like the way that these guys do that. I don't like the way that these guys do that. I don't like, I don't like sister so-and-so. I don't like brother so-and-so. I don't like how they, I don't like that shirt that they wore on Sunday. They wore a Saskatchewan shirt to church, and that is just disrespectful in an Alberta church. Seek his face. Seek his heart. May the zeal of the Lord be placed in you. And as that zeal is in, it, it will be an unstoppable force. Because something will be birthed inside of you and it'll just have to come out. Team, would you come? When our desires meet his desires, when our zeal is focused on his heart, I know you will experience an awakening that will totally change your life perspectives. My friends, I just really felt that this morning, last service of 2012, that we would prepare our hearts for 2013. And as the worship band plays, whatever that means for you, whether it's coming up to the altar and just praising the Lord and just saying, God, I want what you want for my life, whether it's just kneeling at your chair or kneeling up around the stairs and just saying, God, I need your heart, Lord. But as you prepare your hearts, as we get in that place, I just, I just ask if there's any frustration in there. Because you know what? As a pastor... I become frustrated. Things don't go the way that I want them to go. Sometimes doors that I want open get closed. Sometimes things in my own personal life don't work out the way that I want them to work out. Sometimes my kids do something that I don't really like. Sometimes I get a phone call or I get an email and I read it and I don't really enjoy it. But as we go through that year, as we go through the 2013, if we can get to that place and say, God, I trust that you are bigger than my problems. I trust, God, that you have the answers. Because, Lord, in the natural, I can't see them. But I do know that the body of Christ... See, last year I spoke a message on this time, 
and it was um, on resolutions versus being resolved. And it was the whole thing was like, you know what? Resolutions are silly because we'll break resolutions. But if we can be resolved in our spirit that one year from now, I will be in a church, you know, like who knows, we might get moved, we might get posted, but one year from now, I will be in a church and I will be on fire for the Lord. This year, I believe that the word is, Lord, I've got frustrations in my heart. I've got things in my life, God, that are keeping me from really experiencing your presence. And God, I need to be able to trust you wholeheartedly that God, you got the whole world in your hands, God. I like that, 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 that's, uh, that, uh, that, uh, um, skit that we watched a couple weeks ago with uh, the chisel. You ever see the chisel with the skit guys? He's like, Lord, you wouldn't understand my problems. He's like, oh, one of my children doesn't think the creator of the universe wouldn't understand your problems. Try me. I believe that what's God saying to us this morning. I understand. I love you. I I know what's happening over there, but you know what? I'm working on them. I know what's going on overseas, but you know what? Do you trust me? Do you trust that I've got you in the palm of my hand? Do you trust that, that I love you so much that my heart for you is to grow in me? And once we understand that, we can sit there and say, God, forgive me, Lord. For God, I know that my heart has gone to a place of frustration. Lord, would you remove that frustration? Help me not to focus on people, but God, help me to focus on your presence. Would you remove that pain, God, with the zeal of the Lord? Because, Lord Jesus, I want to accomplish what you have for me and my family in 2013. In Jesus' name, amen? So let's stand to our feet. And as we sing surrender, again, I, I, I just throw it to you. Respond to however the Holy Spirit is asking you to respond. Whether it's through asking forgiveness, whether it's through worshiping, whether it's saying, Lord, guard my heart that I don't go to that place, God. For God, I want you more than anything else in Jesus' name. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.